The following show contains two grown men vehemently spouting off unpopular opinions about some of your favorite pop culture movies, shows, characters, and franchises, then demonstratively taking a large penalty shit on them. So if you are an easily offended, pearl-clutching, whiny-ass little bitch who cries when people have a different opinion than yours, or if you piss your pants when people trash your beloved area of pop culture, then we suggest you do one of two things. First, grow the fuck up and go fuck yourself. Secondly, this is not the podcast for your candy ass, and you should turn it off now because shit's about to get personal. You've been warned. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to have your asses chafed and your feelings hurt. As do middle-aged white men do what do middle-aged white men do best besides raping and pillaging the world, and that's force people to listen to the unsolicited opinions about some trivial bullshit. So welcome to the Cheeky Bastards Podcast. And now, here are your hosts from America, the notorious Scott Gay. And from England, the cynical Mr. Smith. Heidi fucking ho, you slack John sons of bitches, and welcome to the seventh episode of the Cheeky Bastards Podcast. I'm the notorious Scott Gay. And once again from the United Kingdom, this is Mr. Smith. And we will be your hosts on this monthly quest to go against the societal pop culture norms in an effort to be a pair of sandpaper underwear to all you out there that are easily offended and soft as a diaper full of freshly made baby shit. If you are a returning listener, we want to welcome you loyal sons of bitches back. And if you are a first timer, we want to thank you for giving us a chance. However, you might want to hold on to your asses because shit might get personal. Mr. Smith, welcome. We are finally in March, which means that we are... Oscar time Woo. here in America, which if you know, if it happens in America, that means it's the only thing that's happening in the world, like the Super Bowl and the Oscars. We are the greatest. We call ourselves world champions. We don't play anyone else in the world, but that's because we are the world, as we said in 1984. So, <laughs> <laughs> we are the world. so as we were talking before recording, uh, it is my understanding that you actually, which makes sense, don't actually get to view the Oscars live because... It's not on until about 1 a.m. your time and doesn't end till just near where you'd be waking up anyways and not like you guys really give a shit. But go ahead and tell our listeners why uh, you're you're withheld from the Oscars normally. Well, no, I think I think that may be different now, but, you know, because of streaming services, except, you know, and all that stuff. This is not something that back in the day we didn't sit down to watch of an evening, you know, even as a, you know, massive movie lover. It was always something where you had to wait for the newspaper. I mean, I'm an old man. So <laughs> it's like, you know, you used to wait for the newspaper or, or, or you'd watch the news in the morning and you would get the results that way. But it just wasn't something that I grew up watching. And there's a kind of mystique to it, a kind of thing that I don't quite understand. But we'll get into all this, isn't yeah. it? You know, when we get further into it. And you can maybe walk me through it. You can be my... um. Dr. King Schultz. Gotcha. So you didn't get to see the slap heard around the world last year. Oh, well, we got to see by now, obviously. Yes, yeah, you'd seen the replay, but I watched, yeah. I watched it live last year, and it was quite surprising. It's probably the best part of the show, if we're going to be honest with each other. Well, I'm sure it is, and I know a lot of people are very cynical about it. I'm as cynical as they come. So, But as a, you know, obviously as a movie lover... And you know, also, also to be fair, I don't always get I don't always get around to seeing the films that are nominated. So I often feel a little bit like, well, I haven't even seen whatever film is like the you know the one that everyone is talking about yeah. or the underdog, even the underdog. Sometimes I haven't even 
I haven't even gotten to see. You so, only watch the British. Well, what, what, what three films a year? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and are they British? They're probably funded by America anyway, so you never really know anymore. That's all changed. That landscape has changed now, I think. But, um, yeah, so it's often a case. This is one of the rare occasions where I've at least seen probably half of the films that are nominated for Best Film anyway, which is unusual for me. Like I say, usually yeah. I've seen, like, there's the one I would be naturally drawn to as the because of the kind of film it is. Yep. But a lot of them, you know, I've probably never seen. And I'm a bit like, well, I, maybe it is a great movie. I don't even know, you know. So this will be interesting because like, this is one of the first times I've seen at least half the films. Well, wow. But yeah, so it's not as much of a tradition over you. here as it is yeah. over there. But, but over the last, I would say maybe over the last, you know, six or seven years, it's become, yeah. there's more, well, obviously there's more um, social media information about this stuff so you you get clued in a bit more but back in the day it was there was, a, there was always yeah. an air of mystery about it i always felt anyway so yeah well you and i spoke about a week ago that the listeners don't know because this will be coming out beginning of march and we were recording an episode for my other show the church of tarantino you were on my april episode and uh, we were discussing a few yes. films for that we'll probably talk about that in a little bit yes and yeah on the day that we were recording that unfortunate news came out However, it was after we had talked about what I'm about to announce. The unfortunate news was that Mr. Bruce Willis had a certain set of dementia that's untreatable. I, I, I apologize not knowing the name right off the top of my what the different forms of dementia, but really, all I have to say is dementia. Is there a good form of dementia? Is anyone like, hey, yeah, he's got dementia? So the odd thing about that is those of you who have been listening to this podcast long enough, and we, we appreciate it, originally, about exactly a year ago, Mr. Smith and I were going to start our own venture, and it was going to be called Dropping a Bruce. Yes. And Dropping a Bruce was us looking at all of the direct-to-video movies that Bruce Willis had put out. Well, <laughs> that number has grown significantly since we talked about that. And we decided, you know what? We still want to do that. Not in any kind of facetious, mean way. No, we actually not. wanted to go through and look at them. We, we wanted to watch other movies and have fun with them. So This is going to be an affectionate look. Yes. So we decided before I even got the news that we were going to do it. And it was going to be called The Cheeky Bastards Present Dropping a Bruce. Because this is going to be just a side project that goes 40 months. Because he has exactly 40 videos one still to remain to come out and it'll be the last film that ever comes out so for three years and four months we will talk about every single one in chronological order and that first episode will drop this friday if you're listening to it in real time in march if you're not listening to it in real time enough time you can go look for dropping a bruce right now on your podcast services depending on when you listen to it are you listening to it as we've dropped this or you listen to this many years decades down the road we have a new side project the Cheeky Bastards present Dropping a Bruce. We are going to take an in-depth, fun look at all 40 of Bruce Willis's direct-to-video uh, movies. And as we were right before we started recording, his last official box office release was in 2019 called Motherless Brooklyn. Since then, and by the time this year ends in 2023, he will have put out 26 consecutive direct to video films. There is a sequel in there and there is a trilogy in these films that we will get to over the course of the next 40 months. So we hope if you enjoy this, you'll join us over there this Friday or if it's in the future, you will check out Dropping a Bruce. We will decide if he actually dropped a deuce or he dropped a Bruce. So that is our kind of big announcement and we'll go through it again at the end. I'm very excited about that. I'm a huge Bruce Willis fan. 
this is going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, spread the word if you can. Yes. So please spread the word because you know what? We're not doing this to take a shit on Mr. Willis by any stretch of the imagination. We wanted to do this, and then we thought, well, people will think we're making fun of him. And then we're like, you know what? It's been long enough. We're going to well, fucking you know, give it a shot. We were, sure enough. Yeah, they would have thought, <laughs> thought we were cashing in when, if back then, I think. I feel like we had to announce it now because if we don't, I feel like we're just, I feel like we're somehow adding to this poor man's life because one moment we're, we're going to do it and we don't do it because we're like, oh man, now he's got a diagnosis. Then we said, yeah. fuck it. A year later, yeah. we're doing it and God damn, he gets a new diagnosis. And it's like, all right. We're, we're doing this with love, guys. With so, love. You know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So share, share, you know, spread the word. There's a lot of Bruce Willis fans out there. It's obvious. We want to see. Yeah. We want to see how many of them are good, how many of them are crap, you know, what we have going on. There are going to be some surprises, I'm sure. So, you know, yes, there will. This is going to be fun. And let's face it, there's got to be a lot of Bruce Willis fans out there. So we want, yes. we want, we want, we want them on board. We want, well, you know, we also want... decided to start it because in the month we're speaking, this episode is coming out today on the 7th of March. The first dropping of Bruce will be March 10th, which is nine days before his 68th birthday. Yep, absolutely. So... So yeah. there you go. So we're jumping in on his before six day birthday. We figured we'd bring it out in his birthday month. What better way to start this journey than on the man's birthday month? And ironically, he also shares a birthday month with Tarantino. Just put that out there. It just so happens. There we go. But enough about that. We'll, we'll get into that one more time before yeah, we yeah. end this whole yeah. thing. But you came here to listen to some other stuff. Us talk some shit. Us give you some recommendations and taking shit on films. So before we take our shits on a film, let's start off with March 2023's Gourmet Selections. It's time for the Cheeky Bastards Monthly Movie or Show Recommendations. Jimmy, this is some serious gourmet shit. We start with Mr. Smith, who just celebrated a birthday in February. He's now 51. Ooh, 51. He's uh-huh. no longer 50 cent. He's 50 cent and a penny here in America, <laughs> whatever you call it over there in the UK. What is your gourmet selection for us this month, Mr. Smith? Well, speaking of famous rappers, as you just were, from 1992... My recommendation for this month is Walter Hill's Trespass, hmm. starring Bill Paxton, William Sadler, Ice Cube, and Ice T. That's a double ice. No, this is this double is, ice. That's a lot, that's a lot of ice. Um, no, I love Walter Hill as much. I would say I would put him. You know, whereas people may speak of Scorsese and Coppola in the same breath, I would talk of John Carpenter and Walter Hill in the oh, same breath. Right. You know. Both guys make these pretty hardcore action movies, you know. And when Trespass came out, it was I think it was originally going to be called Looters, um, but then the LA riots happened. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so no, they had I to, know. Yeah, so they had to change the title. Um, and obviously, with Ice-T and Ice Cube both being like, you know, West Coast gangster rappers, probably <laughs> was deemed a tad controversial at the time. But so Trespass, at the time, obviously, I, I being someone who's been into hip-hop his whole life, I was a huge fan. I'm, I still am a huge Ice Cube 
and Ice-T fan. But when the film came out, I had a bit of a lukewarm response to it. I lo- you know, I love Walter Hill, so I was willing to make excuses for the film. But it did, at the time, fall a little bit flat. But I, w- I, re- I bought the, the new remastered Blu-ray um, a few months ago. So I decided to give it another watch, you know, a couple of mm-hmm. weeks ago. And you know what? This film has aged extremely well. It looks amazing on the, you know, the, the, the remastered Blu-ray looks amazing. But basically, it is Bill Paxton and um, William Sadler are both, uh, they're firemen. And they're rescuing these people from the building. A guy's about to die and he hands them some papers. And it turns out it's a treasure map that um, he, this guy was obviously part of a gang of thieves back in the day. They stole some very valuable gold from this church and they hid it in an old factory, but they never got to go back to get it. So Bill Paxton and William Sadler, they they basically decide to, you know, they're they're down on their luck a bit, you know, they're hard work and working class guys, blue collar guys. So they're like, you know, we're going to go find this gold. But when they get there, the um, industrial area where they have to break into is also being used by gang um, of, of criminals. Um, Makes sense. Let led by Ice T's King James <laughs> and his henchman Savon is played by Ice Cube. Now Bill Paxton basically witnesses the gang kill someone. Hence the trespassing. Hence the trespass. Yeah. So so now it's kind of like the gang are after <laughs> after the two firemen, but the firemen have kidnapped one of the gang members and they've got him chained up, spread eagle to this door, so that if the gang tried to get in, they're either going to have to cut the their buddy's arms and legs off or shoot if they shoot through the door he's dead so basically yeah you know the the criminals can't get in but the firemen can't get out the movie should have been called conundrum or we're fucked is what it should have been called um you know what yeah yeah exactly um but basically ice t is is great as king james i mean he's the mvp of the Mm -hmm. movie he He's a very cool, calm and collected gangster, but throughout the film, he becomes more erratic and anxious because actually what I haven't mentioned is the gang member chained to the door is his younger brother. Oh, a twist. It is on. And Ice Cube basically waves a machine gun around and says motherfucker a lot. (laughs) You know, he's pretty good, but definitely the MVP is Ice Cube. It's a great film. You know, like I say, it really... um, changed my mind on it and it sits proudly in my walter hill collection now give it a chance guys yeah <laughs> 1992 trespass directed by walter hill this is the certified, certified gourmet. gourmet my both recommendation and pure horseshit were i thought flip-flops i thought the two i'm about to say were going to be on the different lists and i was extremely surprised that they're both where they sit my recommendation for march is 2023's most recently dropped M. Night Shyamalan film starring Dave Bautista, Jonathan Groff, and Rupert Grant, Knock at the Cabin. Now, this film is based on a 2018 novel by Paul G. Tremblay, which was entitled The Cabin at the End of the World. Now, the movie centers around a family vacationing at a remote cabin in the woods when four strangers suddenly show up unannounced and take them hostage. These strangers have never met before until this day, but they all had the same vision of the world ending. The purpose of their visit is to stop the coming apocalypse by forcing this family to choose which of their own to sacrifice in order to stop the world from ending. Now, 
I was surprised as hell that I actually enjoyed the fuck out of this film. I was not expecting to. I was expecting to go in and it'd be another one of those M. Night Shyamalan, like, oh, all right, disappointments. But it wasn't. And in case people haven't been watching Dave Batista, Dave Batista is a really good actor. He is mesmerizing in this. And he has absolutely secured a spot as the best former wrestler turned actor. Agreed. And Mr. Rupert Grint does some of his best post Harry Potter work of his career as an ex-con with a checkered past. Now, I don't want to get too much into this film because it'll only take away from your viewing experience because a lot of it you need to go into it without much knowledge. You need to be able to go in, sit down, and watch the film without me giving you any kind of backstory or context. Otherwise, it might ruin the film for you. Now, I know... And Matt Shyamalan is a polarizing filmmaker who has made some great, nearly genius films, followed up by some pure-ass clownery. <laughs> and, but luckily, at least in my opinion, this truly did deliver. It was a hell of a fun ride. Are there some issues, some things that could be changed? Yes. But the overall storyline, and from what I've heard, he changed the way the, the story ends compared to the book. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed how the movie played out. I enjoyed all the performances. Dave Bautista is unbelievable for a man of his size to open up the film as menacing, but yet us feel that he's not menacing throughout the film is a trick that only he was able to pull off. He's not a one-note actor like The Rock. Look, I know it's M. Night Shyamalan. I know that sometimes will turn people away from going to the film. But if you can't check it out in the theaters, then check it out on streaming because it's definitely worth your small amount of money to see this film. You will enjoy it a lot more than you have some of the more recent M. Night Shyamalan a-ding-dong delivery. So my recommendation is Knock at the Cabin. This is this certified, certified gourmet. gourmet. Still haven't, I still haven't seen it. I've got it here. I've got it on my hard drive, which was obviously <laughs> sent to me by the Oscar Academy. Sent to him by Mr. Shyamalan himself. That's it yes, it's, so, a, you know, it's a friends. screener. I've got, hey, I've got friends in low places. So I've got my copy. I'll see it soon. I'm very excited. And I'm even more excited now you've recommended it. So, yeah. I probably should also preface, don't go into it thinking it's a horror movie. It's really not so much a horror movie as it is more of a mental thriller. More of a thriller than a horror film. I don't want people to go and go, oh, it's a horror. It's really not a horror movie. It's more of a thriller. So if you go in with that in context, then you won't won't be surprised. The trailer intrigued me. I totally agree with what you're saying about Dave Batista. So yeah, I'm 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 very excited to check it out. So I will check back with my uh, opinion later. (laughs) And now it's time for my favorite segment. I know. I don't know why. It just is. Just is. Son of an. It is. It gives a chance to talk shit. But this month, here they are. Our pure horseshit stay the fuck away from recommendations for March of 2023. This is some serious horseshit. 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 And this is horseshit. Horseshit. Ah, horseshit. Mr. Smith, you are the first one to take the shit. I think you know where I'm going. Here we go. Although I had a little bit of a struggle because I had two choices here. You had deuce deuces. Wow. Yeah, and they're both up for an Oscar for best film. Both are up for best film? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think. Well, you know, yeah. I know, I know, you might be headed, but I'll listen and then I'll correct you if you pick the. Well, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to mention the other one. Right. I'll bring it up as we get further into the episode. Gotcha. But, okay, Give it so to us. The fucking wild. <laughs> 
My last Touchdown. month's <laughs> recommendation yeah. is yours. Stay the fuck hey, away from in March. Beautiful. I'm not doing. I'm not doing this to shit star either. We, look, we just it's not up for. It's one. not up for movie of the year. It is up for best best, a, best actor for Brendan Fraser. Is that it? I think that's about oh, it. Well, yeah. Fucking. Oh well, I do apologize. Thank fuck for that. It doesn't deserve to be anyway. <laughs> but um, listen, heavy-handed, lacking in sophistication. I just unconvinced by the whole film. Brendan Fraser is just chewing the fucking scenery, along with everything else. <laughs> Although when he was crying, there's a scene in it when he's crying and eating a pizza, and that's exactly how I eat my pizza. Crying? <laughs> you eat your pizza the same way you fold it and cry? Self-loving, <laughs> self-loving, crying, <sighs> eating a pizza. Yeah, so yeah, admittedly, that's the kind of acting that wins Oscars, so good luck to him <laughs> on that. You know, the whale, I know it's about, that's not about obesity. Just like Moby Dick isn't about a while. Well, okay, it's it's you know, about obesity without it trying to be about obesity, which is no, which look, may be some of its shortcomings. Instead of yeah, they, they so, are. Look, they're definitely look, it's about down. loss, regret, and redemption. Ultimately, forget the fucking obesity shit. But Darren Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aaron Aaron Aronofsky is clearly out of his depth. <laughs> It's a grossly manipulative mess where everything is laid on so thick. Even Brendan Fraser couldn't eat his way through it. But the common consensus is it's a great film, apparently. So enjoy the Oscars. It's not going to win Best <laughs> Film because apparently I haven't done my fucking research. That's not even up for Best <laughs> Film. He may very well win for Best Actor, though. But fuck that. Best movie ever made was The Mummy. The Whale is a piece of fucking shit. Not Tarzan? Shit. Oh, I never, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't have children. I don't watch films like that. You had to. You probably had no choice, but I didn't watch that. But anyway, that's my piece of shit of the month. This is this is horseshit. I'm glad people like it, but I, you know what? I'll, I'll say this as well. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> here, uh, the show comes off the rails right, right here, folks. This is where it all falls apart. Right. Okay. So this is about a guy. Who left his wife and child mm-hmm. to fuck someone else? <laughs> yeah. All right, and ends yeah. up eating himself to death. My sympathies with the wife and child. I, I get you, I, but you, you're shortening up why he starts to eat. He has always had a bit of a weight problem. He's one of those emotional eaters, and what ends up happening is the guy he ends up, uh, I don't know if he gets married or not, the guy he's fucking, father runs a church and basically oh, gay bash him too, and he commits oh. suicide. So when he commits suicide, Brendan Fraser's character doesn't handle it, and he eats himself to death. I mean, to death, yeah. yeah. But that's he done got my sympathy. My sympathies with the family he fucked over and left. So fuck Brendan Fraser. But, fuck yeah. the character he plays. <laughs> that pizza did look good though. But oh, you know, boy. again, that was a bit that bit of a sore point for me because I often cry when I'm eating pizza when I'm alone. So <laughs> fuck that movie. Uh, I'm glad you liked it though because I'm that kind of guy. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, my pile of horse shit. I'm very disappointed, and I saw that you recently saw this as well. So we can commiserate together because you forced me to oh, get. Yeah. I, f- I know you where forced this is me going. to get. No, you didn't force me. I got this just because I'm old. I only got letterboxed so that I could keep track of what I've watched. It's the only reason I've got it. Like I didn't that. get it to. It's handy for that. Yeah, I didn't get it so that well, other people I could. I don't. I've only written one review, and that was just because I watched a, a Chinese propaganda Listen, film. Listen, I don't write reviews on letterboxed. If you want that shit, you fucking pay. Yeah, me, yeah, okay? I'm not doing that. Yeah, uh, do you want my review which you come here how fucking needy do yeah. you have to be i to use it reviews? so that i can and actually keep up with pay, what you're doing listen, so i can there's actually people, yeah exactly there's people paying to yeah. use that fucking app yeah and they're writing reviews they're for out the of their app mind. Too. They're out of their how mind. fucking yeah. needy 
How needy yeah. do you pricks have to be? So I just do it so I can keep up. track. I'm sorry, carry no, on. But I, so I know that we both have a very similar opinion on this just by the rating. And I'm uh, so disappointed. But my pure horseshit stayed the fuck away from recommendation for this month. Just recently came out as well. 2023's Infinity Pool. Directed by Brandon Cronenberg and starring Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth. <sighs> <laughs> Here we go. This film follows a struggling writer and his rich wife on vacation who, after an unfortunate accident, discovered this third world country's dark culture and state-of-the-art technology. Now, this slog of a movie has absolutely no clear fucking idea what story it's trying to fucking tell. None. Which is unbelievably disappointing because given that Brandon's most recent feature, Possessor, is an absolute fucking gem of a sci-fi body horror flick. I love Possessor. So, going in, I thought, this one's gonna be fucking awesome. Possessor was amazing. Brandon's gonna set it on fire with Infinity Pool, and M. Night Shyamalan's going to lay another dud, and boy, did the world flip upside down in 2023 for me already. I would have had that same opinion. Uh, this pile of horseshit's plot doesn't know whether to shit or sneeze, all right? The film doesn't focus on this maybe Caribbean, maybe Arabic third world country that we're not sure what it is because we do a Top Gun thing where we don't actually name the country, we just say it's some country. They have this revolutionary technology that is able to not only clone a person, but it clones them at the very stage of life they are currently at, all right? So if you know anything about cloning or don't, when you clone something, it's basically created in a test tube and then eventually grows and it starts as an infant and works its way up. So they were to clone me today. By the time my clone reaches my age now, I will be 90 fucking four when my clone is 47. So however, this third world country has this technology that can clone you in the state you currently are at. Why bother diving into how they came up with this technology or why they haven't been invaded by the world's superpowers eager to get their hands on this type of technology? No, we barely cover this at all. The film barely costs at the even more interesting plot of is our protagonist, once he's been cloned, the original or the copy? What a mind fuck of a film this could have been if they centered on the skin crawling question of who was put to death for the crime and who got to live, the original or the copy, and how would they find out or do they even want to know? Nope. Instead, we focus on a retread story of how rich people are the ugly fucking horrendous pieces of shit who get away with just about anything because they buy their way out of shit that we all know them to be. As the third act was starting, I was hoping this island was going to be invaded by America or Russia or China and all the inhabitants would be wiped out by tactical nukes. Brandon Cronenberg created some mythical technology that only serves the purpose to tell a sci-fi variation of the recently well-tread rich people suck story. Do yourself a favor and stay the fuck away from the steaming pile of pretentious Horseshit. There are some decent acting in it. I know Mia Goth is the girl of the moment. I, I know she is, right? And she's decent in it. But there's a point in this movie where you want her to get fucking murdered or raped or both. <laughs> like, there's a point where you almost want to punch Skarsgård in the dick for letting this shit, like, yeah, it goes off the rails. It doesn't know what it wants to be. You actually feel like you're on acid after a point. Like, you even yourself don't know what the fuck is happening. I guess you kind of feel like the star. Skarsgård doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He's a fucking bitch in the film. Like, you wanted them to die, all of them to die. The movie doesn't pay off. We bypass this amazing technology, which if you watch Possessor, he does a great job in Possessor of using technology and this body horror to really tell a great story. In this film, he just drops the fucking ball and tells the story about how rich people get away with everything and they suck. We all know that. We've, we've known this. So don't waste your fucking time. It's a piece of shit. Very disappointed. But I guess I guess Steve and I, we took the bullet for you. All right, We took the bullet. We sat through this fucking <laughs> pile of shit. And so you, you now hopefully don't have to. So stay the fuck away from Infinity Pool. This is the certified horseshit. If I may... 
a tad more controversial. Yes. I don't even like possessive. So. Oh, now we're going to fight. That's fine. No, but listen. How about this? No, no, let me Possessor hear me is head and shoulders above what Infinity Pool is. I'll give you that, but I don't like either film, and he's no, you know, he's no Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, controversially, my fa- you know my favorite David Cronenberg movie is The Brood. So you know, but this guy, he's nearly out for the count as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, he jumped the ball but, on this one. Hey, I, do you know what? I know quite a lot of guys like yourself who, who dig Possessor, and that's fair enough, you know. But, you know, literally everything you just said about Infinity Pool, I could not agree more. Hugely disappointing. The one kind thing I'll say about Mia Goth is at the point she becomes the most annoying fucking bitch on the planet. I guess that's the point. Yeah. Again, it's just dealt with in such a slapdash yep. way. I just didn't yeah. care. All right. And now it's time. For two middle-aged white men to wipe our asses all over your annual Oscar prediction sheets. I don't like this thing. But I like that thing. I like that thing. What the fuck? I like that thing. You know, there are people who exist that like that thing. We will not be silenced, you fucking son of a bitch. I like that thing. I like that thing. But I do like this thing. I don't like that thing. I don't fuck. That thing fucking sucks. I fucking hate that thing. Oh! Okay, folks. It's time to clutch your pearls and hold on to your asses because it's unpopular opinions time. For this month, we have decided to do a little controversial rants and unpopular opinion on the upcoming Oscars as we record this. It's exactly about two, three weeks ahead of time. But as you listen to this, this coming Sunday will be Oscar Sunday here in America or Oscar Monday in Britain by the time it starts. So we're going to make some random just statements. Mr. Smith will start it. I will finish it. And then we have a yeah, maybe a little special extra at the end here for you. So Mr. Smith, your unpopular spicy opinion based on the Oscars for this month. Okay, so I already know the film you're going to talk about, and you're going to do a much better job of it than me. And actually, <laughs> I agree. I actually agree with what you're going to say more than what I'm going to say. I've just been, I just got the short straw, I fit. You know, do you know okay. what I mean? I'm going to say, I think the Oscar for best film should be going to Baz Luhrmann's. Elvis. And I know that hurts you to say that because you don't like Baz Luhrmann for shit until this I movie. Hate, but, <laughs> but this is this is like the JFK of, of movie biopics. Uh, you know what right. I mean? Okay, yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, you know, the film tech, the, the film techniques, the film stocks that are used, the kind of um, Elvis kind of the, the stories you heard about Elvis, whether they were true or not, all come out. He does a great job with. Um, Finally paying the due respect to black music that influenced Elvis. Which, you know, the John Carpenter movie with Kurt Russell never really gets around to. And obviously they have the benefit of using Elvis's actual voice in this <laughs> film. Yeah. Rather than using impersonators back yep. in the day, which always stuck out like a sore thumb to me. But I think Baz Luhrmann, who's... I detest every film that guy's made up to this point. Detest him. <laughs> but who better than someone so extravagant and flamboyant to tell the story? You know, you've got Tom Hanks versus Brendan Fraser here, in a sense, both in the fat suit or the obese suit. I wouldn't like to offend anyone. Um, 
<laughs> now, does Tom Hanks do a good job? He hams it up, just like Brendan Fraser. They both hammer up, they're chewing the scenery. But I think in the Elvis movie, it works better. It, it needs that. Whereas I think Brendan Fraser goes overboard in the whale. But I'm not going to talk about the whale anymore. I'm talking about Elvis. I'm talking about Baz Luhrmann's vision. How he pulled this off, I don't know. Because he made someone who hates him. And I hate a lot of people. And I hate a lot of things. I'm a very angry, bitter white man. <laughs> in his middle in his ages. <laughs> Getting fat, losing his hair. Okay, I'm a very hateful person. But Baz Luhrmann, God damn it, you beautiful man. You've got me. I salute you. Austin Butler does a fantastic job of channeling Elvis. Whereas I feel like I love Kurt Russell. I love John Carpenter. But Kurt Russell always seemed to me to be doing an impression of Elvis. I don't think Austin Butler is doing an impression. I think he's interpreting Elvis. He's, he's not impersonating Elvis. He is channeling Elvis, and he really, I think, he gives it his all, but in a subtle, quite a subtle way. So I often wonder about, you know, I, I guess the goalposts change on what, why a film wins best film. You know, because there's, there's awards for technical stuff. Like, I feel like Everything Everywhere All at Once, I haven't seen it, so I, I will tread carefully there. But to me, it looks very technical, I'm talking about the kind of zooms and the and the magic tricks of film technique. <laughs> yeah, should a film win because of that? And then if you've got great great dialogue, well, that doesn't make it best film. Having great, you can win best screenplay for that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so there's all these directions. There's all these things coming in on what makes a film the best film. But I think the Elvis movie is <laughs> admittedly the number two movie to your number one where you're, <laughs> I know I know what you're going to do and I agree with you so I'm having to take this other angle yeah and also with this Elvis situation these are now the ramblings of an old man I think Elvis is about to lose whatever relevance he had left with these future generations I don't think anyone is going to care as much about Elvis ever again very fair right very fair. so I think what a way to go out with this movie yeah Agreed. Yeah. Better job than the Marilyn Monroe one out because you loved Blonde. Oof. Now that that was a dog turd tonic. Now, so but yeah, I feel like this is a good way for Elvis to kind of be forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's forget <laughs> yeah. about Elvis on this grand scale uh, with Baz Luhrmann's auteurist vision of excess and flamboyance. That's a joyous movie to watch because it is just so it's kind of magical colorful exciting you know it it kind of i think it does a good job of leaving out a lot of the shitty things about elvis Fair. but not yeah. it doesn't it doesn't ignore them though you know but it doesn't rake through the muck yeah. of elvis it it, it, it addresses things <laughs> my wish would be you know if i could have picked your film that would be my <laughs> ultimate but i can't do that so that is what i i would wish a film as joyous colorful magical and exciting as Elvis movie to win the Oscar 
the best film. All right. Well, that'll lead me to mine then, as we're both talking about basically best film. Yes. My belief or my statement this month is Top Gun Maverick not only deserves but should win the Oscar for Best Picture. Now, let me start by saying that there is very little doubt in my mind that this will actually happen. But I know myself <laughs> and others hope like hell it shocks the world and pulls it off. And if I'm the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, and I want to save my extremely low public opinion and plummeting ratings, I sure as fuck make sure the Best Picture Award this year goes to Top Gun Maverick. Now, I'm not saying nor do I believe it was the best movie released in 2022, but when the fuck has that ever stopped the Oscars? I'm looking at you, Shakespeare in Love, you pretentious piece of shit, and you, Forrest Gump, you basic bitch boarfest. But what Top Gun did accomplish that no other movie did this year and hasn't since the COVID shutdown was put asses back into seats, as well as bring back the summer blockbuster, and more importantly, resuscitated the theater industry that was on fucking life support. For that alone, the Academy and industry should bestow the best picture award upon this film. When this film dropped last May, after being delayed two years due to COVID, many Americans were still wearing masks and the majority of movie theaters were basically empty. In May of 2022, it was not hyperbole to say that COVID, along with the dozens of streaming platforms, had dealt the film business a death blow. Movie theaters were about to join Blockbuster and the Dodo Bird on the extinction list, as it looked like movie-going audiences were never going to return. But suddenly, as if torn from the pages of a superhero comic book, Tom Cruise, the greatest action hero to ever live, and his billion-dollar crooked smile zoomed into theaters and across their screens in his F-14 Tomcat, and in the blink of a fucking eye, Thomas Cruise Mapother IV, born right here in my home of Syracuse, New York, single-handedly saved Hollywood and the motherfucking film history. Top Gun Maverick went on to grow $719 million in the U.S. and another $770 million overseas for a whopping $1.5 billion, proving that bombastic, fun-as-fuck blockbuster action movies could still pack theaters. 20 years from now, hell, 10 years from now, no one is going to remember or give a flying fuck about the Blue Cat People screensaver film Avatar 2. But for as long as there are movies and movie theaters to see them in, people and this industry will remember Top Gun Maverick as not only one of the greatest sequels ever made, but as the film that saved the movie business as we know it. Now, there are better and probably more deserving films that should and probably will end up winning the Oscar for Best Picture, but none of them represent what Hollywood was built on like Top Gun Maverick does. It's the gigantic cash cow summer action blockbuster with a true Hollywood icon as its star, and clearly, after last year's slap heard around the world, what the Oscars desperately need right now is to have this gigantic, larger-than-life movie star with his radiant, off-centered smile walk across that stage at the end of the night to accept the Oscar for Best Picture. Because in case you didn't know, he's also a producer on the film. This is the sort of feel-good, long-shot ending Hollywood has been ramming down our fucking throats for decades. And if ever there was a time to follow their own script, it's fucking now. Now, of course, the likelihood that Top Gun wins Best Picture is about the same as this podcast, gaining Joe Rogan-like numbers and popularity. Okay, maybe its odds are better than that, but not by much. We've got Harrison Ford. <laughs> Sally the fuckasses, who bear the title of Academy Voter, usually don't go in for anything that's not die-in-the-wool drama, which is why action, sci-fi, and horror movies are always snubbed at the Oscars, unless, of course, it's for one of the technical Oscars that they decide to hand out every year. I mean, these are the same clown shoes that awarded 2021's Best Picture to Nomadland, a boring snail fuck of a film where we got to watch Francis McDormand poop in a bucket. Hard to imagine why most of the world thinks that the Oscars are such a fucking joke. 
However, in Hollywood, when Tom Cruise is involved, no mission is impossible. See what I did there? I, like I mean, he helped Tropic Thunder get made, a film in which Robert Downey Jr. is in blackface for the majority of the film, and even has a line of dialogue where he says, you never go full R-word. Did I also mention that Tom was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for a role in that very same film? Look, if the Academy truly wants to change its flailing image and pull itself out of its current ratings nosedive, something only a true adept fighter pilot could do, see what I did there again, and if it truly wants any hope of winning its audience back, then for fuck's sake, on March 12th, 2023, do the right fucking thing. If for no other reason than because this film and this man single-handedly saved your motherfucking jobs, you ungrateful cunts, and hand Tom fucking Cruise and Top Gun Maverick the Oscar for Best Picture. I can't believe I have to tell Hollywood this, but do what you've been doing in your films for nearly 100 years and give the fucking audience what the fucking wants and what we fucking want for you to take a ride with us into the danger zone and award Top Gun Maverick oh, the yeah. Oscar for Best Picture. Woo! <laughs> Somebody it's, wake up Kenny all- Loggins and play the fucking song. Come on, come on. <laughs> Top Gun wins Oscar for best film. I will jerk off in public. I will do it. I Folks, he's going to be jerking off anyways in public. He's just going to tell everybody, I think Top Gun just won the award for be, best picture. No, but, uh, you know, that would be so awesome if that won best film. I know what you're saying. That's unlikely, but that would be the coolest fucking thing in the world. It is the oh, most top- Hollywood movie. That's been nominated in forever. I want, you know, look. There is a video out there on YouTube of an interview. I forget where they're at, but it's Steven Spielberg talking to Tom Cruise in the, like, reception line coming across the carpet. And Spielberg says to Tom Cruise audibly, you and this movie saved the film industry. You saved the theater industry. So, fucking Hollywood, do the right thing. And hand Tom fucking Cruise and Top Gun Maverick the Oscar for Best Picture. Like I said, I would be more than happy if Elvis won the Oscar for Best Film. I don't, I can't see that happening either. But I would love it even more if Top Gun Maverick won. What a movie! Would shake what a it movie. up! What a crowd yes. pleaser! It would be. It's just got everything, I know. and it does. And I know. not only is it golfing, it does everything right. Yep. And that's because of Tom Cruise. And it surprises it just people. Is. Absolutely. Hey. Me. You and me both. Me. I thought it'd be fun. I didn't think I was going to love it as much as I no, did. No, I did. I, I had nothing to do that If you're day. a listener and you got a chance to go see this movie, you're probably like almost every single percent theater who, as the movie <laughs> yeah. ended, looked around and goes, I'm not wrong. That, we that was a great fucking movie, right? Like, that was a great fucking movie, right? Like, you enjoyed it. Right? I have to admit. Yeah. Do you know what? I hate the first movie. I had nothing else to do that day, but I thought, fuck it. Curiosity got the better of me. I walked out of that cinema looking around at imaginary people as if to say, is it just me <laughs> or was that fucking awesome? Yeah, is that, that a was. fucking film then, or is that and, a fucking yeah, exactly. film? I, came, I then pre-ordered it on 4K Blu-ray and then as soon as it came, I watched it again and I was buzzing just as much. Yeah. So this film is a, this is a classic movie. Yeah. Well, classic action movie, classic movie. Yeah. So yeah, well said with you 100% of the way. <laughs> I salute you, sir. Cheeky Bastards present their 2023 Oscar predictions.
We have a little special thing here. We're going to quickly, before we give out our new inductions into the top 100 films of all time, we're going to do our four major award Oscar predictions. So we will each give our prediction of who we think will win Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Picture. <laughs> you may be surprised with some of the answers, but I will let once again my esteemed colleague, Mr. Smith over there in the UK, give us his prediction for Best Actor for the 2023 Oscars. And the Oscar for Best Actor goes to... I think Best Actor is going to go to Brendan Fraser because I think it's the kind of role they like to give Best Actor awards to. I think subtlety is never going to win Best Actor. I think that is the kind of acting that wins awards, and I think it will win. So, yeah, that's my prediction. I predict the same. Similar reasons, I believe Brendan Fraser will win for The Whale because this is a role that no one has seen Brendan Fraser do before. And I think Hollywood likes to award the kind of performance it is, but because we knew him as the goofy guy or a wannabe action hero, like this is a role we've never seen Brendan Fraser do before. And I think because even if you don't like the film, with the way he pulls it off, it's a Brendan Fraser we've never seen. He does a magnificent job, in my opinion. So I also believe he will win it. And now for our prediction for Best Actress for the 2023 Oscar predictions. And the Oscar for Best Actress goes to... Okay, so for Best Actress, I'm going to say Michelle Williams. Oh, okay. And again, and again, I, I obviously, um, I haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, so I can't really comment on that. Maybe I would, is it Michelle Yeoh? Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Again, much like the Brendan Fraser, Fraser situation, it's quite a showy role. She, yeah, she was very good. I, I, will, I will agree with you on the yeah, fact no, she was, yeah, a, she yeah, was very, yeah. very good in this film. Yeah, and I, I think it's... it's she shows a good range as an actress, or you know. Mm-hmm. So the film, I wasn't a fan of the film. I don't think anyone should be able. I think there should be a law against making a film about yourself. <laughs> and it lacked, <laughs> and ironically, it lacked all the magic you would expect from a Steven Spielberg movie. The Fair. one thing he does better than anyone. Yeah. The one thing he does so effortless, effortlessly is that movie magic, and it is completely lacking from this film. Like I say, I haven't seen some of the other films with some of the other great actresses in them. So I will I will have to choose Michelle Williams, you know, by default. All right. My best actress is also Michelle, but it is Michelle Yeoh from Everything Everywhere All at Once. She is spectacular. Much like Brendan Fraser, she has been pigeonholed as a one-note type of actress where she's obviously over in her home country of China. She's probably even more well-known, but here she gets a lot of the kung fu acting abilities here. So we usually use her in some kind of kung fu movie, some kind of karate movie. Rarely do we get a chance to see her be able to use that, but also to really tell the story of an immigrant woman who came from China and all the amazing stuff that this film taps into. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is extremely deserving. She's the first Asian female to be nominated for Best Actress. So that's a first. I don't think she should get it based on that. I think she should get it based on what she her performance. And so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hear anyone say, well, no, she got it because I, she I was see. the first of this to get it. She absolutely yeah, no, 100% okay. deserves this. And I do believe on March 12th, she will be the recipient of Best Actress Award. Now for the 2023 Oscar predictions for Best Director. And the Oscar for Best Director goes to... Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Best Director... I think Martin McDonough could win this for The Banshees of Inner Sharon. This is where I think best film can go in a million different directions. 
But direction itself, I think he does a really good job of the, you know, like the oppressive atmosphere in the film and all these factors going on, you know, as beautifully shot, you know, because it's a funny, macabre kind of period movie. And I think that's where he, he does a lot with very little. You know, he, he, he deals with this in a subtle way, but does a good job with it. Like, you know, it's not like Elvis, you know, it's not all <laughs> bombastic kind of like, and it's and much like what I've seen of everything everywhere all at once. You know, their direction's like very frenetic from what I've seen. So this is a very subtle form, but that can win an Oscar. I think that kind of thing can win. It just depends where they want to go. It just depends. Do they want like, oh man, it was so like flashy and exciting. Or that I want to sort of come at it from a kind of more subtle perspective. Who knows? If they're willing to look at it that way, I think he's got a very good chance. And I hope he does win. So, yeah, my hope rather than prediction is Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Sharon as the best director. All right. Well, I am going to go with the gentleman you were speaking of, known as the Daniels or properly Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart for everything, everywhere, all at once. What these gentlemen were able to accomplish, a lot of the cool stuff you can nowadays see about the behind the scenes stuff is them trying to figure out how they were going to pull off a lot of the special effects they were doing. A lot of it was the YouTube tutorials. They basically yeah. put this together old school style, which in my opinion, mm. I feel is what Hollywood's all about. Is they found a way to make a film, figure it out as they go. There's nothing more Hollywood than that. It's kind of what the Fableman's movie is kind of about. So since Hollywood loves that kind of stuff, this was the real yeah, life version yeah, 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 of it. Yeah. So I am rooting hard for the Daniels and their job well done of directing in everything, everywhere, all at once. And now we wrap up our predictions with our predictions of Best Picture. And the Oscar for Best Picture goes to... We will say that maybe the stuff we said earlier may not be what our predictions are. It was just our opinions that we wanted to spout out yeah. and why we could make it. Yeah. So, sir, your best picture prediction for the 2023 Oscars. I actually found this really difficult, this one. The others, I, I do feel this, 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 sure. is, this is wide open. There's, there's some people could sneak in here. Yeah. I mean, like, if everything, everywhere, all at once wins, I mean, you are champion and the little guy, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. But you can't, den- you can't deny the impact that film's had. Even if you didn't like it, yeah. you would have to appreciate it. It's come out of nowhere. It's a yeah, it's a rocky type photo movie. Yes. Came out of nowhere. It's tough. I, I'm. Do you know what? I'm not gonna say everything, everywhere, all at once. I've got a suspicion, but it's not based on anything because I haven't seen mm-hmm. it. No worries. I'm. Do you know what? I think All Quiet on the Western Front could win. It's a damn fine film. It's a damn fine film, and you and you I'll could be, be right. It won the BAFTAs, didn't that, it? Didn't that, just, that yeah. did shred. That did shred my soul quite a bit. That movie. Yeah. It's not what I would call a fun time at the movies, no. but god damn, what a film. Yeah, they did a great job with that. I'm basically choosing a film I've seen okay, fair. rather than just being like, if if everything everywhere all at once wins and I haven't, and I, I don't, I'm glad at what I will be glad at one simply because it's a little movie with big, big aspirations, ambition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that would be great. That would be great because. They're a couple of nerds, <laughs> you know, and they've made a nerdy film for nerds. Yeah? Mm, you have to see the film. Come on. Yeah. Fuck it. You got to yeah, see the film. You know what I'm I saying. know what you're saying. You know what I'm fucking saying. I know what you're saying. And I mean, I'm, I'm saying that affectionately. So if that wins. This isn't Grumpy Pants. <laughs> no. No, this is me being, me, I'm being lovey-dovey here, yeah. I, I, that would, I would love that if that happened. But I also, there is part of me that, you know, this is a classic 
foreign war movie shown from a perspective people don't often get to see and it is absolutely devastating as all war movies should be really um and i think yeah that that's my prediction all right well mine is the movie you're talking about everything everywhere all at once it came out last march very rarely do films that come out in the spring or the dead season of the, of the winter ever get recognized or even re- be remembered in the consciousness when it comes to Oscar time. So the fact that it has remained in the public conscience, it's like the little steam engine that could. It has done more with less than anyone thought. No one th- knew what movie was coming out when it came out, what kind of impact it would have. Uh, it's staying power and its ability to last for a full year before it could get, you know, actually win. It's a brilliant film. It is my second favorite film of all time behind Pulp Fiction. I wasn't all expecting time? I wasn't expecting this film to hit in the way it hits. Now, it may not hit you in the no, way it no, hits I when you watch this, need, and it probably I won't. Think, there's no, just no, there's no, just no, something I'm, about no, this not, film not, and obviously. its ability to do what it did. And, uh, you know, the more you watch, the b- even better it gets. Like, it's a lot like Top Gun. It surprises the shit out of you. You are, you are surprised by how impactful it is. Now, there are certain things in life you've had to live through or have that, you know, that don't, won't resonate with some people like it does with others. But overall, I think the majority of people who have seen this film have loved it. And anyone I've suggested it to have fallen in love with it. So. We'll see. It was my first suggestion when we first started this podcast, and it is my vote That's for yeah, yeah. this to win. I mean, I may, you know, I will. All I'll say is you'll probably take a shit on it in a month from now, and no, it's no, perfectly no, no, fine. No, no, what I was gonna, no, what I was going to say was I always, I think films need a gestation period. I get it. I, I get you. But I a lot like of my predictions for you've seen movies, it, you've seen it. I, is, I haven't seen it. My, as we're going about to do our top 100 now, uh, for me, my top 10 films are all about the movies that have had an impact on me, that have completely either blown me away or changed my mind on film or reopened my eyes. It's never about, is it the best movie I ever made? You know, I'm not going technically. It's just on what kind of impact did no. that movie have on me at a I, time in my life? I, and does it resonate? Do you think about it long after? You know, I've seen yeah, that. We've seen thousands and thousands of movies. Yeah. Some movies, if I'm not told about, it, I'm like, oh, that's right. But there are some movies, you know, you know immediately, and you're like, I love that film. So yeah, no, no. So I'm not being. It's all right. I'm not Perfectly saying. Fine. I'm not being. I'm not being um, patronizing. That's all right. It, but you're wrong. You are, like I said, we, this, this is a safe space for you to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And now it is time anyway, to induct yeah. four total, but two each. New films into our top 100 films of all time. The Cheeky Bastards Top 100 Films of All Time. So let me see if I get my math right this time. We should be on number 23 through 26 now. So we will be just one over a quarter of, you know, a quarter of the way in. So we'll still have three quarters to go. And some great we're choices quarter of the way so in. far. All right. So, sir, you are up first. Your first inductee this month into our top 100 films of all time. Well, I was very privileged recently to be part of a podcast named The Church Tarantino, <laughs> where I got to discuss From Dusk Till Dawn. And in that podcast, we discussed similarities to what is actually my second favourite film of all time, John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 from 1976. Now, I must have seen this film, you know, when I was really very young and impressionable, I think. And, you know, I, I was at that age where I found it to be quite scary, like a horror movie. 
and also totally badass as an action movie. You had Austin Stoker as Ethan Bishop. <laughs> yes, Ethan Bishop, the, the cop, teaming up with the baddest of bad guys, Napoleon Wilson. So you had the, you know, you had the kind of black and white thing before you were even really conscious of, of that being a move. Like I say, it was sort of ultra-violent. It was like a horror movie meets an action movie before you... I think Tarantino sort of has mentioned that before, that where you didn't realise you could get two genres melded together. Yeah, you yeah. Cross, the cross-pollination of genre. So, like, you know, I'm like, this is like a horror movie. Mm -hmm. But they're running around firing shotguns <laughs> through windows and blowing bad guys away. I didn't know you could do both. You know, and this was when I was quite young, and... And I got—I was quite lucky as a kid because my dad—he worked in a hi-fi store, and we were one of the first people, really, in the country to get a video player. Well, so he'd be bringing home, yeah, <laughs> mm, get a load of me. So, but he would bring home all these movies, and he didn't know what they were. There was no, you know, there was no internet. We weren't getting movie magazines, so he'd bring all these films home, and I'd see some pretty crazy shit as a kid. Thanks to my dad <laughs> bringing these crazy films home. So, but I would have seen Assault on Precinct 13 when I was probably eight or nine. <laughs> and I, I was blown away and it changed my life. And next to Once Upon a Time in the West, this is my favorite movie of all time. So that's my first choice, Cheeky Bastards Top 100. There we go. All right. Well, my two are Oscar themed this week. My first is also my second favorite movie of all time that I've talked about a little bit on this podcast already, and that is 2022's, and hopefully by the time this podcast is a month old, will also be the newest member of the Best Picture Oscar winners, and that is Everything Everywhere All at Once. I won't go into too much detail on it. I have talked about it ad nauseum in our very first episode, a little bit of every episode we go through. This movie is absolutely fucking unbelievable. I think the reason I like it as much as I do is much like when Tarantino came out with Pulp Fiction, it's a movie that has balls and just decided to go for it, didn't care if people were going to like it or even understand it. It just believed in itself and went with it. It told a great story, has amazing performances, it is so much wrapped into one film. It really does encompass the name of its film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's heartfelt. It's heartbreaking. It's beautifully shot. It's funny. It's action-packed. It's got everything a Hollywood film should have. It takes you on a fucking emotional ride from start to finish. I absolutely love it. I truly hope it wins. And I am proud to say it now resides forever in the Cheeky Bastards Top 100 Films of All Time. Your second our third inductee for March. Technically, this would now be number 25 as we put a stamp on the first quarter of our inductions. Yes, very important. Now, I love films like Lethal Weapon. You know, I've already put 48 Hours. You have. The Last Boy Scout. All, I love these buddy movies. You know, these buddy cop movies, whatever That's you That's why we started this podcast. He wanted a buddy cop podcast. <laughs> oh, but for me... From 1988, directed by Martin Brest. Midnight Run, starring Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Dennis Farina, Yafet Koto. This is peak De Niro. <laughs> really fucking funny. He's really funny. And the, um, the chemistry with him and Charles Grodin is just perfect. I think what would have drawn him 
what would have drawn De Niro to the project. There is there's a, there's an emotion to this film that you don't usually get in a buddy movie. Not not the cop actiony ones anyway. But for me, this is the one of this has to be one of the most quotable films ever made. Great action set pieces. This is to me. This is like the perfect the perfect buddy movie, the best buddy movie. And is it underrated? I know quite a few people who love this movie. And if I ever post about it on <laughs> Facebook, they always start putting little quotes from the film underneath <laughs> it. So I know there's love for it. But I'm hoping there's someone out there listening to this who's never seen it and, and go and check, yeah. check it out. Because it is a joyous movie. You will laugh out loud at this movie. It is violent. It's foul-mouthed. I mean, Martin Brest directed um, <laughs> Beverly Well, he directed Beverly Hills Cop, didn't he? Yeah. So it's that same vibe where, you know, the action's great. You know, the action is well done. The violence is violent. And the... The humour is hilarious. So it just works, and, and I'm more than happy for it to be in the top 100. And I hope there's someone out there, like I say, just hope there's someone out there listening to this. <laughs> it, hey, and even if you haven't seen it for years, go back. It's better. Even if you loved it then, it's better than you thought it was. It's, it's the perfect movie. So that's my second choice for this month. Well, my second choice, and the first, I guess, of our second 25 that we'll be putting in, is the 2006 winner for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winstone, Vera Farmiga, and Alec Baldwin, written by William Monaghan and directed by the amazing Martin Scorsese. It is The Departed from 2006. Now I'm going to make a statement. I started off this podcast saying that I think that Goodfellas is better than The Godfather. I think The Departed is Martin Scorsese's best film, in my personal opinion. What he did with The Departed, moving away from his rogues gallery of the usual suspects he usually uses, to tell a Boston crime story that's adapted from a Japanese film series called Infernal Affairs, which I had the pleasure of watching once I heard they were turning that into this film, and it was okay. wasn't bad. Rarely do you have a remake, right? So like, as we talked about Old Boy, one of my favorite movies of all time, which I put in a couple months ago, we did not do a great job of remaking here in America. Terrible remake. However, Departed blows away Infernal Affairs. Just blows it out of the water. I'm sure maybe there's some listeners from Asia who will disagree. That's totally fine. But you're wrong. The Departed is the better <laughs> of the films. The Departed is unfucking believable. It is brilliantly made, brilliantly acted. Leonardo DiCaprio is amazing. Matt Damon as a villain. The great Jack Nicholson and maybe his last great role. Alec Baldwin's amazing. Martin Sheen is amazing. Mark Wahlberg is fucking amazing. There's not a bad performance in this film. It's a long film that moves by at breakneck pace. It is a great cat and mouse. It's a beautifully done film. I absolutely fucking love it. It deserved the best picture. And there was a moment back then in the early 2000s, almost mid-2000s, where back-to-back years, we had The Departed and No Country for Old Men win best picture. Films that usually didn't win, that violent films like that didn't win. For instance, mm-hmm. 1994, Pulp Fiction and Shawshank Redemption both lost out to Forrest fucking Gump. That's still hot. Five years later... Saving Private Ryan lost out to that pretentious piece of shit 
Shakespeare in Love. So I for forgot, these, I actually forgot about that. Yeah. So for these, those two films to win was a, a halcyon time that Hollywood has forgotten. And maybe if they were to put in Top Gun, might correct their mistakes of the past couple of decades. So those are our films we have inducted. Assault on Precinct 13, the original, not the piece of shit remake. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Midnight Run, and The Departed. A pretty mixed bag. Once again, before we send you off into the night to fill out your own Oscar predictions, be sure to send us an email. We've only had one person email. You all agree with us? Come on, give us some pushback. Tell us to go fuck ourselves. Give us reasons. Or even, how about this? Tell us some of your statements that you believe and maybe we believe and maybe we'll get it on the episode. Give us your hey, top tens, man. Yeah. Give us your top ten pieces of shit. Yes. Well, best movies of all time. Yes. Call me a cunt. I don't Call him a cunt anyways, even if you like him. Call, oh, he deserves I am it. A, yeah. I am a cunt. <laughs> So please email us. Our email address is in the show notes. And do not forget to check out our very first episode of Dropping a Bruce. Three days from when you listen to this. If you're listening to it in real time, March 10th. If you've caught this many months down the road, check us out. You can find us on all your major podcast source. It's the Cheeky Bastards Presents Dropping a Bruce. And that's a wrap on this month's show. Please feel free to join in on the debate by following the show on the show's socials, which can be found in the show's notes. If any of you found any of the opinions expressed in this episode to be offensive, we kindly ask that you go fuck yourself. However, if by some miracle you did enjoy the show, like a well-adjusted mature fucking adult, then please feel free to join us again next month to hear Scott or Steve take a shit on something you hold dear. So until next time, remember, opinions are like assholes. They're full of shit and stink. Unless, of course, they're yours. This has been a man with an exceptional beard production.